The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Mary Lou MacDonald is in Cork this morning for an event at the Clayton Silver Springs with Solar Ireland 2023 and we wanted to take the opportunity to catch up with her while she's on Leaside. Mary Lou MacDonald, good morning. Good morning, Gareth, and it is great to be Leaside. So I'm very happy to to have this chance to talk with you again. And you've, you brought the sunshine with you, which is wonderful as well. We haven't seen well, it for a few you days. Know, I, th- I thought it was appropriate, given that the subject matter is solar power, to uh, <laughs> to entice the sun out. Long may long may it stay with us. Very true. And uh, I take it uh, you'll you'll you're looking forward to having the sun on your back for the next twelve months. Judging by the opinion polls, uh, I, I take it I could be talking to the next leader of the country. Well, that will be very much in the hands of the people of the country. I mean, yes, we have we've grown very strongly, Gareth. We've we've worked very hard. We're going to keep working very hard. Um, and I hope uh, when the election comes, we'll go and we'll present ourselves and ask uh, people to give us a chance to demonstrate what we can do in government. And we'll make that ask in a spirit of humility and hard work. There's no no presumption on on my part. I'm very grateful that uh, people in in increasing numbers are hearing what we have to say, liking what we have to say and and increasingly uh, of the view that change is a healthy and a, and, a, and a good thing for Ireland and that that others beyond those who have always uh, had their places in government for more than 100 years, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, that somebody else would, would get a crack at it. But all of that will be, will be debated out in the course uh, of a campaign. Of course, we'll have local and European elections in the summer. So that's that's probably uh, the first port of call in terms of the, the Irish electorate. And, and we'll come back to that in a moment. First of all, though, I, I want to ask you about your health. I'm delighted that you're over that difficult summer that you've come through. Yes, uh, I am. Uh, I, I, I'm good, Gareth. Thank you so much for asking. It was, uh, I had a a tough old summer of it, but um, but I'm good now, and I'm very pleased to be back at work and firing on all uh, cylinders. And to be honest with you, I consider myself very, very uh, lucky. Um, I'm very conscious of the fact that others have gone through much more testing and traumatic health journeys than me. I was lucky. I, I required a I required a surgery. It was. Uh, a big surgery, but um, it went uh, very well. I recovered well, and uh, thank God I didn't require any further treatments or therapies. So, so that's been great. I'm, I'm also conscious, Gareth, because I've spoken about a little bit about this publicly. You know, hearing the stories from other women, or even you know, other women's husbands and partners and brothers and sisters telling their stories as well. So I hope that it has been helpful on some level and and healthy to have this conversation um, out loud. I I think it's something that we need to build on. Um, And can I also say, Gareth, to wish you likewise well uh, in in your own, uh, for your own health and and recovery. And I hope that you're you're feeling good and feeling strong. Feeling good, Mary Lou. Thank you so much. And thank you for your your kind wishes there. And we are delighted you're well because uh, I think that the next 12 months certainly is, is, is presenting a whole new horizon for the political landscape here. And I, th- I think it's, it's rather timely in that you opened this conversation, particularly about women's health. And I think yeah. a lot of women are now looking to you and at what you're proposing for 
what will basically be a whole new vista in terms of politics, isn't that right? Yes, um, we want to firstly um, build on the things that we have gotten right. Um, And then we want to address in real and practical terms the things that have gone wrong for Irish society. And your listeners will have heard me and my colleagues talk an awful lot about housing. Um, And that will be, Gareth, our number one priority in government will be to create an Ireland and a society in which everybody can have a reasonable, sustainable roof over their heads. I mean, I'm conscious that everywhere I go, I am meeting people who, if they're not experiencing what's called housing distress themselves, you know, an inability to pay the rent or Mm -hmm. struggle to pay the rent or to buy a home. If it's not happening to them personally, then it's certainly a feature in their wider family, in their wider communities. And we're at a point now where the housing issue is now not just a social imperative, but it's also an economic one in terms of our ability to staff our schools and our hospitals to attract and keep investment here. So it really is, we need an all of society effort. So transformation in that area is long overdue. And I I think at this stage, having watched the current government fail and fail again, it it has become clear to me that the energy that Sinn Féin would bring to government, I think is going to be a necessary component of moving moving that um, on. And then in wider societal terms, in terms of healthcare provision, childcare provision, provision. We have the bones and the elements of, of getting things really, really right. But but what has been missing, in my opinion, ha, is the, the kind of fresh thinking and, and, and the energy that fresh legs, fresh eyes bring to, to, getting, to getting government right. So I think this can be a really exciting period for Ireland challenging, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm here talking about renewable energy and um, talking about solar power uh, in particular. And this is a case in point where, you know, progress has been made, but there's a real opportunity here for people in, in our homes uh, and in our sporting clubs and our community organisations to be part of the energy revolution and to save a few quid when we're at it, to take the sting out of our bills and to create a scenario where we have security of energy supply and ultimately energy independence for for Ireland, for the island. That would be a game changer mm. in terms of our pro- prosperity in our society. So I'm, I'm an optimist, Garrett. I, I, I always believe in best foot forward, you know, and, and getting things done. So I'm very excited by the prospect of this change, having an opportunity to, to find expression at the heart of government. Well, can I just say, in, in your alternative budget for 2024-2025, in terms of housing... And making housing a, a realistic, poss- not just a possibility, but a probability for those who feel at this stage that unless there's a change, they won't ever be able to afford to buy a house. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. So why do you think the critics have been so critical about your the alternative Sinn Féin budget? Well, I, I, I suppose in fairness, you know, any anything that we put out there as as the leaders of the opposition has to be critiqued and analysed. I mean, I think that's a, a healthy thing. In a way, the, the, your critics can very often be your, your, your best friend in as much as it forces you to test your propositions, to test your offering again and again. So, you know, I think I think that's a, a, a good thing. But to me, it is now just manifestly obvious 
that the uh, the approach being taken by this government hasn't worked and let it be said by previous governments and we need to step change. So everything from how procurement processes and planning processes work, those need to be disentangled, they need to be stepped up, resourced properly and they need to have a level of pace. The, the, the lack of ambition and the lack of action in respect of new technologies, you know, how we construct our houses is going to change, has to change, not least because of the, the climate emergency, but also for, for speed of, of construction. So there's a new era of that coming in. Some companies are working very hard on these technologies. But to be honest with you, they are very often being hindered rather than helped by government. I, I can't understand or explain that. And then the state itself needs to understand whoever is in government that in the first instance, the state needs to lead out in terms of public housing. So that's social housing, but it's also affordable housing to buy and affordable housing to rent. And that's the bit that I think consistent governments have really struggled with. Yes, we need private development and we need to assist that. But for a long time, Gareth, the, the, the state removed itself entirely off the pitch. And, and now here we are and it has uh, resulted through all of the, the machinations of the last number of years, in a scenario where, in reality, an entire generation are, are locked out of home ownership. They don't really believe that they're going to be able to afford to put together a deposit, not to mind to buy a, a home. And we have rents that are crazy and run away. Mm. And it, we've had a battle to get the government onto the ground of, of get, giving any easement to, to renters. Um, and I've said consistently that my very strong belief we need to put a month's rent back in each renter's pocket but as you do that you also need to put a stop to the gallop of rent increases and there should be a halt for a period of three years and I can't explain to you why government refuses to do that when it is obviously at this stage this an, a necessary thing to do to take the heat out of uh, rent inflation and to be fair to everybody to give working people and particularly younger people a chance and some kind of breathing room right i and i could t talk more to you about that but i've obviously got a couple of other topics i want to talk to you about as well I income tax um your party's detractors are saying all the time that you're going to tax us to the hilt will that happen no, it won't. Um, so, for example, for a very long time, Gareth, you, you and I are long enough around to remember when the whole controversy used to be around corporation tax and mm -hmm. what would Sinn Féin do? Just to say to your listeners, the issue of corporation tax is now a settled matter. There is uh, unanimity virtually, not just in Ireland, but internationally as to how that regime looks. So that's locked down and stable in terms of investment. In terms of income tax, uh, what we want to do is actually ease the burden on lower and middle income uh, uh, workers. There will be a slight increase for those on very high salaries. And when I say I mean individual, let me stress individual incomes of €140,000 and more. It's a small cohort, a very lucky cohort, um, uh, a very hardworking cohort who we will ask to pay uh, a little bit uh, more. But the objective here isn't to cripple anyone with tax. The objective here is to bring relief where it's needed, is to create equity. And then very crucially, for those paying your taxes, that you actually see a return on it, that the citizen can say, I pay my tax 
and I see a return on it. So I don't see people lying on hospital trolleys. I don't see people sleeping in doorways. I am not put to the pin of my collar uh, paying what is essentially a second mortgage in childcare. So when you talk about taxation, you have to say, right, what are you raising? But equally, how are you investing and and how are you spending it? And actually, in our pre-budget submission that you mentioned there, everybody earning less than €100,000 was actually better off under our proposals. We did stack it more in terms of low earnings. So in terms of the USC, we want to make changes at that low level, abolishing the first band, raising the the threshold on the second, because we think that you have to, if, if you're given a payback to taxpayers, it doesn't make sense that it gets concentrated in higher earners. You have to make sure that it's spread equitably and that people on lower incomes and on middle incomes uh, become, in the first instance, the first winners, if you, if you like. Yeah, so with the USC, I mean, when Brian Cowan introduced the USC, he said it was a temporary tax measure and he said it he would did, eventually yeah. be got rid of. So why not get rid of it and why not then increase perhaps by one, two digits tax at different levels of the, of the tax bans, getting higher as you move up through the scale? The USC now brings in uh, revenues that are the equivalent of the entire education budget for the year. Right. See, this is the thing. When you when you introduce a new taxation measure, it becomes baked into the kind of the revenue stream of the state. And to just remove it in one fell swoop is, is just hugely uh, problematic. OK, so mm-hmm. what we have what we have said is that you start at the start with this USC and certainly as it affects lower income and middle income groups, that's where you make the first change. And then as your economy deepens and expands and more people are at work and on better income levels and you create a virtuous circle of return for the state. You can look in a graduated way uh, in terms of what you do with the USC. But Fine Gael, if you recall at the last election, Leo and the others were holding posters, abolished the USC. That was deeply cynical of them. They had no intention of doing that as we uh, as we saw later on, because they haven't done it. But equally, financially, had they been scrutinised correctly and asked, well, that leaves a big hole in your year-to-year budget, not one-off spending, but continuous spending. How are you going to fill that hole? They wouldn't have been able to answer that question. And as I say, it brings in revenues that are the equivalent of the entire education budget. So we want investment in education mm. at every level. Childcare um, that is accessible uh, and affordable to every uh, family. Um, investment in our education system at every level, right up into third and fourth level to give our kids and young people and our society the best knowledge base that we can. So with that in mind, we say, okay, relief at the low and middle level. Right. Um, but we, we would not be proposing abolishing it overnight because it would be an irresponsible thing to do. Okay. Now, you, uh, the party has three seats uh, out of 18 here in Cork. Uh, Tommy Gould, yeah. Donegal Lira and Pat Buckley all have seats. Uh, 2020 was a huge turning point in the general election that year. And if I remember correctly, so many members of the Sinn Féin party said that if we had fielded more candidates, uh, it... it well, I, I suppose it, it was the stuff that dreams were made of. Isn't that the case? 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was quite uh, quite uh, an election. Um, obviously, consequential to it, we, we lead the opposition for the first time. So it was a very, and I'm the first woman to, to do so. So, I mean, it was consequential in, in many, many ways. And yes, um, with the benefit of hindsight, we could have, should have run more uh, candidates. As a matter of fact, Garrett, for months and months after that election, I couldn't walk the length of myself without being collared by somebody saying to me, oh, you didn't run enough candidates. Mm. And and just to say, uh, I won't make that mistake uh, again. Was that was that because um, so, yeah. you didn't see the success coming? Like the, 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 there was a huge shift, and I witnessed it here in Cork, yeah. where very huge well surge, known, yeah. very well known individuals who are, in the eyes of many people, political icons. One of them was voted in on the sixth count, another was voted in on the eighth. I mean, uh, and and these are senior serving politicians. It's it it was seismic. And do you think now, next year, late next year, it could be the same? Uh, well, I hope so. I, I mean, all of the evidence that I'm that I'm seeing and hearing out on the ground is that uh, th- this appetite for change, really positive, progressive change, is still very much alive and well. As a matter of fact, in my own opinion, it, the, the the appetite for change is actually something much bigger than Sinn Fein. I think we're probably at the the cutting edge of it, but it's a much bigger societal uh, thing, and I think it, it's something that's long overdue and really healthy and, and, and really welcome. So I hope that that momentum will continue. But I also know that that momentum and enthusiasm and, you know, it, reaching for tomorrow, all of that energy uh, has to be matched with really strong policy p- uh, propositions, a real sense amongst the population of the direction of travel. For people who might be looking at Sinn Féin and saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure and what will that mean that we, we need to be talking to people and, and, and giving a level of reassurance as well that the change is uh, is about progress. It's about things that are positive. It's about, uh, you know, finding and winning opportunities. It's not about uh, being reckless or squandering the things that, that we have built up over, over the years. So I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation at the next uh, election. And I'm, I'm hopeful that at the local and indeed the European elections that we'll have a, a much, much better day out in the summer than we had in 2019. Because don't forget, we had uh, a hard day out that day um I, it was my first my first i suppose big election as the the party leader mm-hmm. and it was a hard day for for Sinn Féin but you know i'm a great believer that when when things don't go your way that you knuckle down and you learn from them. You learn mm. the, the lessons and I, I hope that'll be demonstrable now when we go to the polls in the summer. Final question for you. Uh, United Ireland, if we get a 32 county United Ireland, will that bump Cork into third city position after Dublin and Belfast? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're asking the hard one, Garth. I, honest to God, between Cork and Belfast, <laughs> I, I was as a dub, I'm always under pressure. And I, I, I have said to my colleagues, there is only one non-negotiable one non-negotiable on the table for Irish unity. Dublin is the capital. Of course, I get squeals of no way. I'd, so, I'd um, wait till you leave Cork before you say that today. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying this sotto voce, you know. Um, but look, yeah. uh, I think it's going to be... You see, this This is the big uh, the big um, challenge and the big opportunity, I think, of, of our time. And 
I certainly know that we will be heading into referendums, north and south. I, I know that uh, I, I'm determined that we get the institutions back up and running in the north. I believe that we can. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I very much hope that that now is in prospect. We've waited for 18 months. In a way, sometimes, you know, people at a bit of a distance from politics, all you hear sometimes are the bad stories or the points of conflict or contention. Mm. Just to say to people here in the real capital, in this rebel county, huge progress has been made in the north and increasing numbers of people see and understand that to grasp the big economic opportunities, the the opportunity of energy independence, of strong economic growth, of of social progress, all of this is best done on an all-island basis. So Mm-hmm. I believe that we, we need a citizens' assembly. Now, I think we need to be talking to each other. And people living here in Munster, in in deep deep south of the island, Irish unity is about all of Irish society. It's not just a question about the north. It's about Ireland in our entirety. Uh, and I think we we need to grasp this opportunity with enthusiasm. And look, we will be, in my opinion. And in my hope and aspiration, we will be the generation that democratically, peacefully uh, and in an orderly fashion finishes the journey of Irish self-determination in a spirit of uh, friendship and uh, respect on our island and indeed uh, creating an ongoing, enduring relationship of friendship and respect with our next door neighbours in Britain. We'll have to leave it there. Mary Lou MacDonald, lovely to talk to you and enjoy the day in Cork. Thanks so much, Gareth. Lovely, lovely talking to you. All the best. Take care. Thanks a lot. Quartz 96 FM. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.